You ready? I'm ready. All right, Pookie, you ready? Let's do this. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Mommy's Nightcap. V is here, and Evelyn is here. Hello. And Sada's here, and we're all here. That's it. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, you know, I'm a little bit of a singer. If I do say so myself, I'm really not good. I'm a horrible singer. Um, well, welcome back to another episode of Mommy's Nightcap. Today is actually a very special episode. Um, our good friend Sada is going to take the lead in a bit. But before we get there, we got some beers. We got some burrs. All right. So Evelyn and I are going to share one because she's just, you know, feeling herself a little bit. So <laughs> we have Port Orleans. This one is called Three Day Weekend Hibiscus Lime Ale. Sounds good. Ooh. I've actually, yeah, I've actually had this one before and it's really good, but Evelyn has not. So Sounds delicious. Wow. Ew. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That other one is super burpy. Saw that salt. Mm, so good. Ooh. You look nervous. Oh, that's actually really nice. Yeah, oh, it's okay. really like for some reason I thought it was gonna be sour and my mouth was starting no, to no, get no. tense already. <laughs> no, she was it's nervous. Good. It's a perfect, in my opinion, a perfect summer beer. Like it's nice and light. The hibiscus is in there. Like it's very hibiscus it's very... is Jamaica, right? Yeah. Jamaica, yeah. Mm-hmm. You like it? it? Ha- have you ever had that one before? I feel like you've you've had you've drank that one before. Me on Not the me. podcast? Yeah, Val. I don't think I've had it on the podcast. No, okay. No. I don't think so. Fuck. What if I did? I haven't. I like it's it. Okay. I drank it at a barbecue that we went to. That's the only. That's how I found out about it. The barbecue we had so many beers yes <laughs> i really i really really like this one this one's really good it's nice and light like it's it's very like, like if i bought a six pack of that and i was at like a like a party it'd be easy to just like kill like it wouldn't it does, it's not heavy at all like no it's just, i like it a lot it's nice and light you drink what you got sada okay so um i found something very different and i found it at the walmart <laughs> At the Wally World? At the Wally World. Wally, it was Wally, so Wally weird. World. And I'm like, oh. So Wally World sometimes like. will surprise you. <gasps> this is Budo Pickles. Oh. And this is by Freetail oh, Brewing Company here in San Antonio. What is now, it called? I'm sorry. I... Budo Pickles. No, no, no. The The brewery? The brewery oh it's free tail free tail brewery here in san antonio dope okay and i've never heard of them i mean they must be new but i'm kind of nervous so here we go perfect time to try it then no yeah you'll i'll have to go pick up a six pack while i'm over there they have a spicy one too oh i want that one i'm getting both <laughs> if on the next episode you guys hear Evelyn and I drinking those, don't judge us. We just need to know. We need to know what all the fuss is about. Okay. So before I open it, I'm like, okay, well, what if I don't like it? So I have chamoy and tahine. Oh my god, my mouth. <laughs> Why can't I open it? I'm so excited for you right now. <laughs> I'm acting like I'm about to drink this. I know. <laughs> Oh, no, y'all, I really can't open it. Oh, here we go. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong? Try it. Oh, she made a... <laughs> Let's see. She looks nervous. <laughs> Your face. Oh, wait. You reminded me of that video of that girl that's like the kombucha. She's like, huh? And then she's like, like but maybe. Let's let's try it with a little bit of wait, wait, wait. I need a first impression. Okay. So you can it literally tastes like dill pickles. Oh my god, I'm so excited. 
It really does. Okay. I have to know what the chamoy and tahid. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't wait. It's so weird, but it's good. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. You know, okay, so you know the spicy pickles are coming to bang? Yeah. I need that. I need all those. We're going to Walmart when I get there. We're getting the spicy and the regular. Done. It's weird, but it's good. Ricky hates pickles, so when I bought it, he's like, why? Mo <laughs> hates pickles also. Mm-hmm. He's just going to be like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, does Brad, Ryan like pickles? Y'all would love it. They always say like somebody who likes pickles ends up with somebody who doesn't like pickles. Like we both like, I guess like we both like aren't like in love with pickles, but we both like like pickles. Like oh. it's not like our go-to thing, but we both. What about like olives? It. Do you both like Fuck olives? Fuck this shit. That's nasty. Does Ryan like them? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How do they make the chamoy stay on the can? Do they freeze it? So that's a chamoy paste, like all those TikToks that you see. So they take chamoy and they make like this different paste out of it, which I actually want to make. Yeah. Because it looks really good. Yeah, because regular chamoy will not stay the way that it will not. No. Yeah, they make like this really cool paste. I've seen a couple of recipes for it and I'm always like, I'm going to do it and I never do. But maybe when I go to Texas, they'll have somewhere where they just sell a chamoy paste because I would love that. I'd be rimming all my beers. So also, good. when we go to Dallas for the Bad Bunny concert, I'm getting a bottle of that tamarindo like Smirnoff because I see people. Oh, mm-hmm. I see people make all kinds of shit with it. And I'm like, I need that in my life. I don't Is really that the one with the calavera on it? Yes. yes. I okay. I don't really drink Smirnoff, but I need that in my life. Cause tamarindo, right? Yes. Mm. I love tamarindo. That was like my only palette. The only paleta that I like the popsicle. I like anything tamarindo with, I usually like it with something. That's why I like all the drinks that My I My mom see. used to make the drink, like, just a agua fresca. Like, she used to just buy it. And mm-hmm. I used to hate it. I thought it was so good. It sounds so good. I, I love tamarindo. I, so I recently, love Jamaica. I recently just started, well, not recently, but, like, within the past maybe 10 years, mm-hmm. I started to actually like horchata because when I was younger, I did it. <gasps> I love no. horchata. My mom makes the best horchata. So good. Yum. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's not divert Sorry. divert too far because we're the queens of that. Um, today is actually a very special episode because our wonderful Sara is giving us a little insight into her life. Um, her sweet baby, Camila, was born with, I don't know if it's proper for me to say a heart defect. I don't want to like say the wrong thing, but a heart def- a heart defect is right, correct? Uh, heart defects, or you can just say um, congenital heart defects, yeah. Okay. And so I know there are, especially in seeing like the research Sarah has done and just uh, as a whole, like I know there are other people that have struggled with this and a lot of moms out there that have been in the same situations so um she's gonna give us a little insight into that and we're gonna discuss and yeah so sarah take it away okay uh where do i start do i just start off with her story yeah yeah start from like how you found out okay so we actually okay when i was 20 weeks pregnant they do the anatomy scan um they found something wrong well they couldn't really get a good picture of her heart when uh she was in my tummy so I had to go see a specialist for that and I went two times and they were it it was really difficult for them to find um her, her not her heartbeat her heartbeat was fine but they couldn't get a good picture as to like if she had um if from what I remember she had all her valves and her, um, what is it? The, all the parts, all the, the four chambers of the heart, she had all of that. But what they were looking for was like um, correct amount of oxygen and blood flowing through the heart. And they couldn't get a good picture of that. But anyways, they ruled it out. And fast forward to two weeks 
postpartum and her being born, we go to her two week checkup um, and her pediatrician had um, asked me, she's like, hey, she's like, did you have anything go on with her heart um, when you were pregnant? And I was like, actually, yes. I'm like, I wanted to tell you about that. I wanted you to check her heart. You know, things just been kind of weird, like since we got home. Um, things have been kind of changing. Her eating has changed and I don't know if it's normal or not. And she's like, okay. She's like, well, let's, let's take a look again. And so she listened to the heart, listened to her heart and told me, she said, um, we do, I do hear a murmur. So what I want you to do, he said, I want you to go see this pediatric cardiologist today. And I was like, is, is it okay? She's like, well, she's like, I just want to make sure she's okay. She's like, she's, she seems fine. She's like, but we do hear murmurs. We just want to make sure she's good. So I rushed over there and, um, what the pedi- what the pediatrician, uh, cardiologist told me was that she had three heart defects. So that felt like a punch in the stomach to me because it was ruled out supposedly mm-hmm. when I was pregnant. Um, so she had three heart defects and I'm going to go through them briefly, but she had what's called a PDA. A PDA is, and I have it right here because I forget sometimes, but it's a, it's called a patent ductus arteriosus. So like where the aorta is and I can show y'all. Where the with diagrams. I do. So this is actually from her surgery stay. They gave me everything. So where her aorta is right there in this little area, this little piece here got like it needed to be ligated. It had to be like clipped in because that little piece normally closes up as soon as the baby's born. And it didn't. And she had another one that was called an ASD is where the atriums or the, what is it? Hold on. Sorry. Come on. Yeah, it was right. Where the atriums where they meet. So the left and the right, there was a little hole there. So too much blood was going through. And then there was another one. Another one was called the VSD, which is by her, um, it's her ventricle, it's her ventricle. So like the bigger chambers at the very bottom, she had those three. The biggest one was the VSD. So you see this hole right here? Yeah. Okay. That was her hole. <gasps> so the aortic, for anyone, like for anyone listening, the aortic valve that goes into the left ventricle, that little hole, her defect was way bigger than that. So he said, you know, we, we're gonna put her on medication um, to hopefully close it. Um, and if it doesn't, then she's gonna need surgery. So I asked him like, okay, well, you know, what, what's, the, what's the chances of her not needing surgery. And he's like, she's going to need it. So basically what was happening is that with these three heart defects, her heart was working so fast and pumping so much more than it had to be that she wasn't gaining calories because she's working up on all those calories. So she wasn't gaining the weight that she was supposed to gain, um, which of course is not good for, you know, a brand new baby. And uh, another thing was as soon as I got there, they're like, okay, well, you know, have you noticed any, well, have you noticed any difference in her color and stuff like that? And I was like, no, they're like, okay, well, normally with babies who have this, they go blue by the mouth, by the fingertips and, um, the toes. She had none of that. Thank God. So it, it was a lot. (laughs) and even thinking about even talking about it now and thinking about it like it's a lot um I feel like I've kind of made my peace with it little by little but it's still it's still fresh so it still kind of hurts but yeah um 
So from the time that they told you that she may need surgery to when she actually had surgery, how long was that? So she had surgery at two and a half months. So that was what, like two months? Yeah, two months. And for those two months, like what was running through your head? Like what were you, what were you thinking? Um, am I going to lose my baby? Yeah, I can. I mean, I can only imagine like I when they're that little, like the thought of them having to go through something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I know you both have experienced something like that, but I can't. I can't. Im- they just seem so fragile, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, of course, I know you two know that. Yeah, it. So I ended up having to do so many different things you know whenever for a newborn postpartum you have a newborn everything is chaotic right like oh my god am I feeding her enough am I doing this enough but me I felt like for me it was like 10 times more of that Mm -hmm. um because of her having these heart three these three heart defects I had to give her medicine around the clock and um I remember at that point you were having to give her medicine it was like every oh crap I can't even remember you had to feed her every two hours right that's what it was it got to a point where I had to feed her every hour yeah because I remember we were like how are you doing this Sarah (laughs) I have no idea no idea um so within that time from her two-week checkup to when she had surgery, all within that time, she had already gone to the hospital. So like, as soon as we saw the cardiologist, he was like, okay, well, it was Easter weekend. So of course we wanted to enjoy time with our baby and stuff. And then the doctor is like, hey, well, you know, I know it's Easter weekend, but do you want to wait till Monday? And I'm like, no, he's like, okay. And I'm like, no, we need to go to the hospital now. Like, fuck someday, (laughs) forget that, you know? And I could tell, like, when he, when, when they told me what was going on, it just all made sense because do y'all remember me sending y'all a video? Yeah, of her, of her chest, right? Of her chest. And I'm like, her breathing's different. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. She was having hiccups. Um, I feel like more often than when a baby. And you talked about, like, baby. feeling like she had hiccups when she was in your belly because I remember you saying yeah. that yeah I'm like, I never experienced that I didn't know what you were talking about like, that's weird but that's probably why I experienced yeah. it with Xena but I, I that's why I didn't think anything of it like I was just like oh yeah like because Xena had him often like she had hiccups all the time and I was like what the fuck is this because mm-hmm. I didn't have that with Zoe yeah I, I like towards the end of the pregnancy like I was I kept feeling her having hiccups and I asked my doctor and she's like no she's fine and I'm like okay um but I think that that was all related tell me I'm crazy but I think that I'm a big believer in signs yeah so I feel like every single little thing was just a sign to get me ready like just to have my mind alert and thank god I was alert um Another thing that I noticed was just different within those two weeks that I had her at the house was that she started throwing up, spitting up, like, her milk. Just It, it was just, like, bleh, everywhere. I'm like, okay, I was like, is this normal? And then Ricky was like, no, you know, it's, it's a baby. You know, a baby does that. And they're like, no. She was throwing up because she was she had too much in her, and her body couldn't take it. No. So um, her heart had to work double time um, to eat. So that's why um, I had to take my time with feeding her. Um, And I couldn't give her too much at a time, which is why they told me you have to start doing it every hour and a half or so, so that she could um, take her time with eating and it's not so hard on her and so that she could uh, gain weight because the big thing with the big thing was she had to gain weight. Uh, what the surgeon had told me was that um, she had to gain weight in order for us to do the surgery because her heart was too frail. 
um, she was too little still, so they didn't want anything to happen while in surgery. Wow. So then at what point did her surgery get scheduled? So it got scheduled at the beginning of June. Um, we told them this is all within the time that we actually found a house in Abita. And Ricky's like, we need a move. Yeah. And I'm like, I, like, we can't go anywhere. What do you mean? Like, I don't want to find a new doctor and this and that. He's like, we can't, we, we, we have nowhere to stay here in, in San Antonio. We have nowhere to stay. We, I, I don't want to get, he didn't want to get another apartment. Like it was just crazy times. And I told the, the cardiologist and the pediatrician and the cardiologist was like, let's schedule it. And I'm like, is she ready? She's like, yeah, she's ready. She was actually gaining a lot of weight. Um, and another thing was that I had started off breastfeeding and I had asked the doctor, I asked the doctor, I was like, so did she not latch because it was too hard for her? And he's like, more than likely. Yes. Cause then she would have trouble like breathing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it was just, it's a new thing for a baby just in general, you know, to latch on. And she had to work double time because she was already used to the milk flowing faster in the bottle. Um, when she was in the hospital, when, whenever I had gave birth and she's like, no, it was just too slow. So what happened was that from within that one, from the day that she was born to that second week, um, it gradually started, the, the defects gradually started to grow. Yeah. So it was just, it was a lot. Um, so we had to put her on a high calorie uh, food plan. So it was just more um, formula. And yeah. And at that point you were feeding her every hour, right? Every hour. I can't like the thought of that. I I can't even like three hours as a baby right now is already like hard enough. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine every hour. Like when mm-hmm. did you sleep? Never, never, <laughs> never. And then on you know I would like constantly wake myself up because I wanted to make sure she was breathing. Wanted to make sure that I didn't swaddle her too tight. And what we did. Yeah. I would wake up freaking out because I'd be like, is he breathing? Is he breathing? And I'll be like, and Ryan's like, you have to calm down. I was like, no, I need to make sure he's okay. And I woke woke up every three hours. I'm like, no, he needs to eat. He has to gain weight. Like, I would freak out too. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Ricky would tell me, he's like, you need to relax. Um, Within one of the moments, within one of the appointments, that I had with the cardiologist before the surgery, before you even thought about scheduling the surgery, um, the nurse, the nurse had said, you know, uh, she's not gaining the weight that she needs to. So that's whenever we put her on a high calorie food plan and they go higher and higher and higher if needed, if needed. So there's like 22, 24, 26, 28, and then so on. We started off, I think like at 22, 24 calories. Um, and I lost my train of thought. Um, my, my train of thought. Um, what was I talking about? The calorie food, the calorie plan. Um. So when I was when we were going through that, the doctor had said, "Hey, we're gonna have to go ahead and do that." And I'm like, "Okay." So then he told me, "Are you swaddling her?" And I said, "Yes." He's like, "Okay, you either have to." um, swaddle her, um, a little looser or get one of those vests, a sleep you know, like the sleep sack. So that's when we bought the sleep sack because they said that by swaddling her, it's like tightening up her chest. So it would probably be extra more, um, oh my God. So baby wear her either because it was too much for her and I wanted that I wanted so many things 
whenever she was first born and I felt like that was just kind of stolen from us. Mm-hmm. Did I answer your question? Yeah, you did. You did. You did. I feel like I just. No, I mean, this isn't exactly like you're not telling me the story of when you got your hair done. You know, this is this is, you know, a big chunk of. Yeah, of your life, you know, not just yours, Camila's. And I mean, I think that a lot of the times it's very easy for people to say like, oh, you know, they do this when they're babies. So, you know, it's easier to do and like. And while all that is fine and dandy, you're the parent that had to that had to sit through that. And mm-hmm. it's not like you you can just block it out of your mind and just be like, oh, this piece of time, you know, because she's fine, this didn't happen. Like, no, like it's very emotional, you know. Mm-hmm. But speaking of emotional, so you get to the surgery, the day of the surgery how are you feeling like what are what what are you going through i can't because to me this is this is the part to me that is like unimaginable like um so we got to the hospital the day before i was there all day what hurt the most was seeing them poke and prod my baby again and again because i had seen it already the first time when when we were there um and they were monitoring her, monitoring her to see how she would react to the medicine. Um, but this time, of course, she's a little older. So she reacts more. And the day before, they had to put the IV into where they were going to use for like the rest of her stay, right? Her little face turned so red and screaming bloody murder because they couldn't get her vein because she was so little. Like they had to use this machine to help find her vein because she was so small. Um, so then there's that. And then 12 o'clock was the last bottle that she could have. So from 12, okay, so one thing, Camila has never liked a pacifier. Whenever she was born, she hated a pacifier. You want to know when she started liking the pacifier? The night before her surgery, when she couldn't eat, so she stuck to the pacifier. That's when she. That's when she, when, when she got stuck to it. Um. So at twelve o'clock at night, that was the last bottle, and. I know I'm doing the, like, this all had to be done. She couldn't eat because, you know, the surgery and everything. She can't have anything in her tummy. But just knowing that I couldn't feed my child. You felt guilty. I felt so guilty. And I'm just there, like, you know, rocking her, trying to sing her songs and everything. But the day of the surgery, so I went by myself because Ricky had to work um and you you guys know the the hours that Ricky puts in he literally only has Sundays off so um he came in at 5 30 in the morning to the hospital and literally as he got there the anesthesiologist came in he's like okay we're gonna start prepping her and we're gonna take her in at seven and they actually ended up taking her a little early, but so the surgery took five hours wow. and uh, um, they said it was going to take five hours, but honestly, I think it was less than that because she was doing so well within it. But um, uh, they let us walk with them to the elevator and um, my faith w- was crumbling at this moment because I'm just like I don't know what's gonna happen with my kid you know like they they told me that the surgery was going to be very easy and it's a very easy position procedure given that even though it is a heart surgery she had one of the easiest ones to fix but still it's open heart surgery um so from her room to the elevator she was on her little bed and I have pictures. She looks so cute in her little gown. And 
I called out for her and she looked up and she like kind of looked back at me and then from then on she would not take her eyes off of me and I'm just she's just smiling at me and it's just it was so weird because it was like in that moment it's like she understood who I was Mm. and I was just calling like hey mama you know just talking to her and it was like to me it was a sign it was like a sign from God saying, you babe, it's going to be okay. Like, it was just the moment that me and her had. So we, of course, you know, we were, we were um, in the midst of moving. And um, we had to find ourselves busy. The nurses came to us and told us, you know, I know this is really hard, but it's going to be even harder if you wait in the waiting area. Yeah. So y'all need to get out. Go out, go out to eat, go, go get breakfast. Go, go find things for the new house, you know. Those doctors and those nurses, they were so amazing. They call me every hour. Call me every hour. I feel even at a point it was like they called me within every 30 minutes towards the end because she was close to being finished. But we went to Cracker Barrel first. We went to eat and I told Ricky, okay, I'll answer the first call. So this is what we did. Like we would switch on answering the phone. And then um, I answered the one at Cracker Barrel. And they're like, okay, so we're here in prep, this and that, everything's going good. And they called us again and we were at a furniture store. And that's whenever they told us, that was like the second hour and they told us that they had opened up her heart or like her chest and her heart and everything and they were fixing it. Um, and then they called us again at the third hour and said that they had already finished up. They had closed up and everything was doing, she was doing really, really well. And um, they were taking off for bypass. One of those calls, I couldn't take it. I said, Ricky, can you please answer it? And he did the same. He's like, I can't take it. You answer. So I did. So um, I think like the last call was when they told us, okay, if you guys want to get a little closer to the hospital, you can because we're almost done. We're just going to make sure to make sure she does really well breathing on her own. And that was the big thing, making sure she's breathing on her own. I was very worried and scared that she was gonna have to be in a feeding tube because we hadn't made it without a feeding tube this whole time. Um, I had always asked her cardiologist, I'm like, is she gonna need a feeding tube and this and that? I'm like, no, it's not necessary unless like she's really losing weight, but she's maintaining her weight. She was she was born at like with eight pounds, four ounces or something, and she never went lower than that ever which was a good thing. Um, So I get to Walgreens. I get to Walgreens and they call me. They're like, mama, uh, she's doing really well. She's breathing on her own. Mm. So then I called Ricky and I'm like, she's done. She's done. He's like, okay, hurry up. Let's go. And we went and we had to wait in the waiting area for a little bit because they had to get the room ready and sanitize and everything. And so then once all that was done, they brought us in. And um, to see my baby so out of it, that, that, it's something that I would never want any mom to see ever in their life. It's just this small little body. Like she just connected to all these machines to keep her alive. And I could see like her chest had a little patch and it had, of course it had a little bit of blood on it and stuff. And she was just so out of it. Instantly I started crying, I started crying. And the nurses, oh my God, the nurses were so great. And they were just like, okay. They actually cried with us. <laughs> and then um, it, later on in the day, 
before we like later on before we left um the nurse came and she like she put her hand on me you know like she's like can I give you a hug I'm like yeah she gave me a hug and she's like this is one of the strongest babies that we have that we have had lately Mm. she's like um she did amazing she was able to breathe on her own and she's like and let me tell you this kid's gonna be a fighter so I hope you're ready like what do you mean like why and I was able to laugh which was a good thing you know she's like normally babies don't react within the first moments of being out of surgery Camila, this girl here was different. (laughs) She instantly starts to fight the anesthesia. She starts fighting the anesthesia and then they put her hand, they put their hands by her feet and she starts kicking. She starts trying to wake up and then have to give her Ativan and anesthesia because this little girl, she's just like, no, I'm not having this. I want to get out. I'm good. I want to get out. And to to like the very last day her nurse was like I hope y'all are ready because she she's ready to go (laughs) ready to roll but um the day of her surgery that night they told us to go home they're like if you want to stay here you can but we suggest that you go home because there's nothing that you can do right now it's just up to us and making sure that she's just settled down and that she's she's okay uh, you can come tomorrow morning, but you need to rest. And she's like, the next few days, our next few days, weeks are going to be hard. Um, so go rest. So I went home. Uh, we were actually staying in uh, Ricky's cousin's house, David's house at the moment, because we were already out of the apartment. We moved out of the apartment like three or four days before her surgery. Wow. Two days before her surgery <laughs> um so we left so I had I so I stayed home um the night of her surgery I went back home to go to sleep did you sleep <laughs> I did it, it 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 took me a while to fall asleep and I you know I just kind of prayed myself to sleep but I did I did sleep um and then um, after that in the morning we went back to the uh, to the hospital and she was more alert than she was obviously the day of her surgery she saw us and she she looked at us like she kind of recognized like she recognized us but of course she was still out of it um they had taken out her what is it the She was breathing on her own already, but they had to give her a little bit of oxygen to help her out because she was kind of having a little bit of issue later on at night. But then after that, she was fine. Um, and little by little, within like a day and a half, they started taking out like um, she had to have, um, I'm just going to say a two because I forgot the actual names of them. But she had some that were in her heart to monitor her rhythm that was taken out because she was doing well. Like so many things were taken out because she was doing really well. And I was there to see all of it. Like I saw completely everything. They took her catheter out. And again, because the doctors and the nurses were seeing how well she was reacting to it. Um, the one thing that uh, another, another thing that like really like touched my heart was when I was able to hold her for the first time, I couldn't hold her for like two days. Oh. Uh, Ricky took a video. I, I instantly broke into tears and the, doctor, and the nurse, her nurse was like, do you want me to take her? And I'm like, no, like I, I can compose myself. And um, she was talking to me. So her blabbers came back or whatever. And she would see me and she was just cooing and all that stuff. So it was awesome. And then after that, I was able, I felt comfortable enough to start feeding her. 
Um, Cause the first night of me staying there, it was hard. There was even a night where um, like there was an exchange of nurses and the other nurse did not know her well. And when I tell you be an advocate for your child because your child does not have a voice so, so little, be an advocate for your freaking child. I kept telling her, no, it's not going to work for her. No, it's not going to work for her. She's like, okay. She's like, well, can we try this? And I'm like, no, it's not going to work. And lo and behold, I forgot what it was. I think they didn't give her Tylenol at the time that she needed. And I kept pushing it. Like, you need to give her this. You need to give her this. Because if she doesn't have it now, like she's going to, she's not going to be okay. She's in pain. And um, it just, whatever it was, it didn't work out. And Camila was in pain. And what ended up happening later on, everything was fixed. But our main nurse, she's like, hey, so I heard what happened with the other nurse. And I was like, yeah. I was like, I understand she was trying to do what she knows, but I know my child. And she's like, and that's why I told you, be like, speak up for her. And I'm happy you did. So how long long were y'all total in the hospital? Five days. After like. Including her surgery day or Uh, this is okay. So we got out on a Wednesday. She had it on Friday. So yeah, about like five days, four or five days after her surgery. Yeah. That's including, including her surgery five days. So six days in total because of the day before. Gotcha. How long after her surgery would you say, like, or maybe immediately, like, after her surgery, did you notice, like, okay, like, she's not, like, obviously recovery sucks, but, like, she's better. Like, did you notice, like, a change? Instantly. Yeah? Instantly, because um, as soon as she got out, they let me hear her heart. And it was a big difference. Wow. It was a big difference. Um, of course, I cried. But before her heart, it kind of sounded okay. So I kind of laugh at this a little bit, but you know, like Argentinians, they kind of talk with like a. Never yeah. heard that say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she kind of had an Argentinian heart. It was just kind of like go. It, it sounded like air blowing through her through her heart. Um, and then. As soon as her surgery was done, they let me hear her heart and it was normal. Just you could hear it. Like it was it was what a normal heart should sound like. So it was instant. Did that bring um, you like a sense of relief at all or? Yes. I know it's hard in that moment, but. Oh, yeah. But it, it, in that moment, I was just like, OK, my baby's going to be OK. Yeah. She's going to be okay. How long was her like recovery? Like how long? Like after, um, after the, the days y'all were in the hospital, was she like a lot better? Yes. So she, within like the first day post-op, um, she was able to drink a bottle, like a normal bottle. And um, when we left the hospital, um, she was, um, she was in a lot of pain because of the surgery. So you you have a lot of gas in your body. Mm-hmm. So that was very uh, stressful because she had so much gas, and I had to do like everything possible to kind of keep her relaxed, but at the same time trying to get those gases out. So it, recovery time was six weeks, but. To me, I was like, that's it? Because I would think that you're having open heart surgery that should take longer, right? And they're like, no, like, because she's so young, she bounces back so much faster. I think we forget when we look at them and they're just so fragile, but they're so resilient. Like, it's Mm -hmm. kind of amazing. It it really is. Evelyn has a question. So when you you cleaned her, like, cut like how often did you have to like change the bandage or like how did you have to clean it I didn't so her suture the 
the, her zipper suture mm-hmm. is what they call it was so clean like it just it's kind of like they threaded her from the inside out and then at the very beginning they just kind of zipped it oh and wow. just pulled. so before we left the hospital she didn't have a bandage because wow. she didn't need it okay she didn't need it um and what we had to do basically was just keep it dry, keep it dry whenever she had to get her baths and everything, um, not to keep a, a wet towel on there. Just let it be, let it air out. Yeah. Of course, you can wet it, but just be gentle in that area. Yeah. Um, and then hurry up and, dry, and pat dry it with a dry towel. Um, keep it away from the sun. What the, what the surgeon told me was, you, you know, once the six weeks are done of, um, recovery, she's good to go mama. She's good. She can be in the sun and everything like that, but cover it, cover it for the, for a whole year. Um, because if not, like it could make it more visible, like the scar. And if you look at her scar now, I'm like, well, that's it. Because it just it blends it blends in so well, you you wouldn't be able to tell because it's so little. Yeah, and the older she gets, it's just gonna get smaller and smaller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're we're at like right over a year now, right? We're at a year, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And how does it feel? Like how? Like, do you still worry? Like, are you? I mean, I I feel like you're never gonna stop worrying. Like that's just mom territory, but. I'm, I'm way more relaxed now. Mm-hmm. Like I push her into pillows. You know what I mean? <laughs> like She is completely fine. She, Ricky roughhouses with her all the time and she just laughs, you know, it's just, I think to me, what was more of like a, like a, not an aha moment, what I'm looking like, just a moment where I was able to breathe and relax was her uh, ear checkup. Uh, we went to, uh, the children's hospital and, um, again, there, the doctor and the nurses were, were amazing and she did so well and her heart had recovered so well that now we just need to do a check once a year. Nice. So she's doing really, really well. That's great. Her heart's good. Everything's good. Her heart's good. Like every now and then I, I put my, my, my ear to her heart just to listen to it. I know it might be weird and Ricky's like, oh my God, you know, but it's just my way of just like, okay, I'm checking in. <laughs> like, I'm just checking in. But well, she's, she's good. She's so good. She's, she's so healthy. And I'm just, we're just so happy. We're happy that that was done and shout out to our pediatrician first of all because if it wasn't for her pediatrician we would have found out way much later which would have been way worse yeah yeah diana actually had like a a hole in her heart that was never treated and she's had like struggles because of it as an adult Mm -hmm. um but same thing like a doctor when she got older was like if you would have taken care of this when you know you were a baby, it would have been a whole different story. But she grew up in Nicaragua, you know, it's yeah, a whole different thing. But I mean, so, for you, what would you, what would you want parents to know about like this or overall, you know? Um. Oh, let me add in a disclaimer though. We are not medical professionals. We are here having Sarah tell a story of her and her sweet baby. But we are not medical professionals. We're just mm-hmm. telling you, sorry, guys, just in case you're like, you don't know shit. We're giving our point of view. <laughs> I'm just telling my story. That's all. That's it. That's it. Um, so I guess kind of like I point like that, I guess advice, like a little piece of it, not advice, but just kind of hope for a parent, especially a mom um who may go through something like this hopefully you don't but when you if you do take in every moment that you have with your baby um 
hold them close. It's hard. It's hard to have to give your child medicine to survive. Um, it can be very difficult. You're not going to sleep at all, but just take in every moment that you can. Like you find light within all the appointments, find light through all the moments that little mishaps, find light in it and just, and just love on your baby. That's it. Just love on your baby. And find good doctors, because that's, I've always said that, find good doctors. Yeah. And and we laid, we were able to like be in the hands of an, an amazing surgeon, an amazing pediatrician and everything. Just make sure that you're secure with where you are and always be an advocate for your baby, for your child, no matter how old they are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, we are happy that Camila's healthy. We're happy that you're, you know, I know that was very difficult for you. And I have to ask, um, I know on y'all on y'all side, like Ricky also has a heart defect. Um how is he doing now? I know this wasn't easy for him either. Um he's so Ricky had they said that he had either a heart murmur like an innocent murmur or a hole that closed on its own which we'll go into like later about uh defects that close on their own and whatnot but he's good so I mean I'm very much the person that I show my emotions and he doesn't so um at first when when we first found out you know it was a uh, it of course, it was a shock to us. And I remember going into the hospital on Easter weekend. He said, this is my fault. No. And I'm like, no, no, it's not your fault. And um, we had asked the surgeon. So is this genetic or what is it? And they're like, the probability of this being a genetic issue the percentage he gave me was like one or two percent he's like it's very low this is just something that happened and it can be fixed so I think that to him helped him um and it gave him a sense of relief yeah but he it, it hurt him to see her to, to see her have to take medicine like he couldn't feed her because every time that he fed her or mostly all the time that he fed her, she would throw up. So he's like, I can't do it. He's like, I can't do it. And it's not like he didn't want to help her. He's like, he felt like he was making her worse because her, she wasn't in, in taking her medicine because there was a certain way that we had to feed her and stuff like that, you know, like pace feeding and do little by little. So uh, yeah, that was hard. That, that was really hard, but he's good like he he loves that girl to death I mean it's his daughter but like it, it's just it's a different connection that we all have together mm. I love mm -hmm. and I know you had um also some some statistics that you wanted to provide for us I do so I did some research and this is like the websites that I used one, some of it is just stuff that I have already from the top of my head, just remembering. Some of it is actually CDC, but don't do CDC because it kind of makes you a little scared. <laughs> um, don't do that. Um, a lot of them is from children hospitals. I think it was like Cincinnati and another one. I forgot what the other one was. But Val, actually, you had gave me one of the statistics like, one of the within the first month that she was born and you had told me this that one in four babies i believe one in four babies um i'm sorry one out of a hundred um infants are impacted they have ch they have a congenital heart defect um so it what's crazy when you told me that I think the number that you said was one in four. And within our kids, within our friends, 
I was the one who ended up with the baby with the, with the heart. It, it's just like the way that you told me, it was just, it was just crazy to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so let me look through them real quick. Sorry. I, I, I also had no idea how common it was. Like I had no clue. Yeah. Um, it's pretty common. Now, some are way more difficult. Some, some can be very difficult to the point where like valves are missing and they need to be replaced. Um, and some babies have to get three surgeries or more. So it was a blessing for us to just have to have one. Yeah. Um, but it's something that's very common. I don't want to say normal, it's just common. And thank God for our med for you know our our the medical equipment that we have now. Um more of these babies' lives are are, you know, you can save more of these babies' lives. So since this is something that I found, um, since 1999, um, it has decreased, the percentage has decreased to 37.5% of babies passing because of it, which is pretty big because uh, I think I had read somewhere it was like between 1990 to like 2006, um, was very hard for that, uh, for, for these babies because they didn't have the technology that they have now in order to fix it or in order to even detect it wow Mm -hmm. um yeah hold on let me look at something else so something else on here that that really like stood out to me because this was something that I was scared of as well. You know, like, well, is my baby going to be okay? You know, is, is my baby going to live a long life? And the doctor's like, yes, you know, we'll be able to be an athlete if she wanted to, you know, she's going to be able to be an Olympic if she wants to, but 90% of children with CHD live into adulthood. That's great. Uh, That's yeah. News. There's, um, there was a group that I was part of on Facebook and there is a, uh, an older man on there. He was like 60, maybe 50 and he runs marathons or trithons. And he was told that he would never, in a, never be able to run again, never be able to do sports. And here he was running, swimming, walking. Yeah doing all of this stuff and he put he got a tattoo done of something with his heart defects I think like he put the heart defects on his arm or something like that and I'm like fuck yeah like for him to just be all odds you know what I mean yeah. that right there is what I love I love that too I love that well do you have any, I know you already gave like, did I, I think I asked you about like, if you had any advice, but mm-hmm. do you have any like final words for any other parents, moms going through this? Um, so one thing that has, has kind of like been on my mind, I always thought, what if my child is developmentally delayed because of this? Because they say that it does happen, but because, you know, the baby it can't roll over or walk or do certain things because of recovering from surgery. Um, I thought that she was going to be delayed in a way when it came to like, uh, when she started rolling over and stuff like that. And then now that she's not walking by herself yet, I'm like, okay, is it just, is this because of the issue that we had at the beginning? You know, did this kind of push her back a little bit, but your baby will do everything in due time. 
Right. Um, Camila is just hard headed. <laughs> like a daddy. I'm just kidding. I'm hard headed too. But um, a little. A little bit. But your child will do everything in due time. Don't rush it. Um, if you have any questions at all, ask your doctor. Don't be afraid to ask your doctor. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Write everything down. I think I was very annoying to our doctors, but they were so understanding and so sweet to us. Um, I don't think it's ever annoying when it comes in regards to your kid, you know? No. Like, I, I feel like your kid's well-being, there's nobody out there that's going to or should at least give you crap for wanting to know every bit of detail. Yeah. You know? And if they do, find another doctor. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Find, find another doctor. Um, but yeah, that's one thing that um, came up to my mind these last few months. Like, okay, like, is she developmentally delayed and stuff like that? Because, you know, like motor skills. But no, she's just Camila. She's just taking her sweet time. So just let your kids be, you know, like, just like I said, enjoy those moments. And if you have any questions, ask your doctor and don't be afraid to ask. But it does happen, though. Also reach out to, I mean, I know you joined a group that I know at times wasn't super comforting to you. But at the same time, I know with anything, it's almost com it's comforting to know that there are other people that, you know, understand situations like yours. And mm -hmm. even if it's not the same, I know that there's a lot of things that even Evelyn didn't go through the same thing, but she feels you like, you know, in like mm -hmm. moments when it comes to seeing your kids in a state that isn't, um, you know, so comfortable as a parent. So, you know, look for comfort in people and hopefully you have that support within, you know, your close group. Yeah. What's crazy is that um, every direction that I went to when it, you know, like if it's me going to my gynecologist, um, her pediatrician, or just friends in general, some way, somehow, someone came up to me and told me my baby had a heart defect. So it's very common. You just don't know. Um, it took for me to open up for me to hear these stories and it comforted me. And it, it helped comfort me uh, to the day of her surgery. Yeah. Evelyn, you have any other questions? Yeah. Evelyn's got nothing. Well, I love you, Sarita. And I love you too. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of Camila. I'm proud of Ricky. And I'm very happy that your baby is thriving because she is. And like you said, all in due time. <laughs> She's going to be like running around the block before you know it. So I know. Watch out. be careful what you ask for. <laughs> I know. Well, anything else you want to say? No, no, that's it. I just, okay. just love your babies. Love your babies. I mean, that's an overall message that we have for any parent going through anything, <sighs> but we are so thankful you guys listen to us and if you have any questions, you know, for Sarah, you can always email us to mommiesnightcap at gmail.com. And I will gladly send those questions off to Sarah if there's anyone that wants to talk. And it's just like, you know what? My baby went through something like this. And I'm so glad you shared the story. Even if you're like, boo, y'all are boring. Send it our way. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, um, thank you guys so much for listening. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story because I know there's people out there that will find some comfort in this. I know there's a, even if there's at least one person, you know, we've done our job. Um, even if there was no job to do, I'm just happy that you're willing to share your story. I am more than willing to share her story. This is, this is her, this is our baby. Yes. And I'm here, I'm here to comfort any mom going through the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Thank you so much for listening. And as always, you can follow us on social media on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or send us a DM or listen to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. But thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you, Sarah, for sharing. 
and we'll talk to y'all next time. Bye. Bye.